book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And we're going to read the first five verses. Then we'll look through these verses. For there's some golden nuggets and gems hidden in this. Some real great truths that we must look at this evening. Trusting God will take his word and wing it to every heart. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 1. For all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrificeth and to, and to him that sacrificeth not. As is the good, so is the sinner. And he that sweareth as he that feareth an oath. This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all, yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live, and after that they go to the dead. For to him that is joined to all the living there is hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything, neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Now we know the Lord will bless that reading of his own word this evening, but let's just pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the word again. Father, we just ask you for these next few moments that you would take your word your own divine and inspired word. And Lord, by your spirit, would you move from seat to seat, heart to heart, car to car, person to person. We pray, O oh God, that you know every single one who's before you this very moment, this very evening. We pray, O oh God, that your word would find a lodging place in every heart that the believer would be rejoicing in their salvation, that the unbeliever would fear the Lord and re return to the cross, Father, through your Spirit, and that the backslider would come to thee, Father, in repentance, asking for the mercy of their God. So, Father, we pray in your most wonderful and holy, precious name. Father, speak. Use this man of flesh and weakness and anoint the word of God tonight to every person. Bring it alive unto us. For your name's sake we ask it and pray. Amen. When Solomon is writing, excuse my voice there, when Solomon is writing, starts thinking as a man who has everything. As a man who is a king over a united kingdom of Israel. As a man who sits on a throne with all his armies at his back and call with his servants. He stands there thinking as a man now looking back at his life. 
looking back at the things he strived for, for the things he always believed in, and he looks back at that which he always thought were the most important. Now Solomon is the man, as a young boy, asked God for wisdom above all other things. And that wisdom enabled Solomon to have the very gold-like stones as common as the stones in the street. Jewels were everywhere. The very metals that were very precious adorned the palaces. And there he had everything that he needed, that he strived for. Yet Solomon sinned greatly before the Lord. And Solomon sinned where he had many wives and concubines and wives that were not of Israel. And there they brought in their other gods. There they brought in their heathen temples. And there he even made altars unto their gods for them to appease the heathen wife rather than to keep trusting in the Lord his God. Solomon is reflecting. Solomon is thinking What really matters at the end of it all? What really matters in a life? And Solomon goes through the book of Ecclesiastes as he's writing down. The man with the words which are many proverbs. The man who can sing a song of love. The song of songs known as the song of Solomon. The man who can do all of this now looks back at what he and what society in his day, and we can see it in ours, deems to be precious, deems to be first. That which men and which women strive after so much that they strive after it and make it a God of their life, a God in their heart. And they strive after things thinking, with all these years to live, And like that man that Luke spoke about in his gospel, he will say to his soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And that's what many are like. Yet, they did not know something. That man did not know something. But God said, is what the scriptures tell us, Thy fool, this night, Thy soul shall be required of thee. And so Solomon is weighing up, as it were, in the balances of time, trying to add wisdom unto that which he is looking upon. Notice something which he comes to a conclusion over. Verse 1, for all this, read a book of Ecclesiastes. Read it slowly and see. Enjoy your life. Nothing wrong with that. Enjoy the labors of your hands. Nothing wrong with that. But he goes on, he says, enjoy this and enjoy that. Yeah, well, some may say we can eat and drink and be merry. And he says, you can do that. And you have the time and the freedom that God gives you that you may do that. That you may apply yourself and your heart Onto these things. But Solomon comes to a conclusion and he says, For all this I considered in my heart. 
Notice there has to be a personal reckoning in the heart. There has to be a personal understanding of the things of God in your heart and in my heart. So here he considers all of these things to declare all this. Notice that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. Can I ask you something, believer? Can I ask you something, Christian? That which you strive after, is it after the kingdom of self? Is it after the kingdom of man? Is it after the kingdom of work? Your work, your place of work? The kingdom of building our home? The kingdom of laying up those goods which you have thinking of many years and forgetting God? Or everything you do and everything you place your hand to, is it to the glory of God? Is it that Christ may be exalted? Is it that in your life, whether you're rich or whether you are poor, whether you're working class or whether you're upper class or middle class, is everything that you do is everything for the glory of God. Is everything that you do to elevate and to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. If it is, if it is on that day, Paul tells us we will stand before God and our works will be before him. And if it is on that day, all our works will be tried in the fire. And some will find that their works are as wood, as hay, and as stubble. In other words, we have labored without him. We have labored for everything but him. And we have built our own kingdom rather than labor and serve in the kingdom of God. And so many will find in that day their labors are as wood, hay, and stubble. In other words, you cannot take it with you. It will not stand for you. It will be no good to you. In that day when we stand before the judgment seat or the bema seat of Christ, hear those who are doing all things. You might labor and you might be the, the director of a company or you might be someone who's just laboring on a floor, driving a lorry, working in the streets. You might be whatever, brushing up. It matters not, friend. Brother, sister, serve in your company as unto the Lord and to the glory of God. Put him first and serve your boss with all your heart. And boss... Remember, you have a boss in heaven that one day we must all answer to. And whether it is spiritual work in the kingdom, do it with all your heart. Be faithful in the things that God has called you to. Whether it's preaching the word of God, then, brother, preach the word. And don't be mealy-mouthed about it. And don't be afraid. And don't be worried what others will think, what others will say. 
but rather go forth in the power of the Spirit for the glory of God. And open thy mouth and he will fill it. And do it all to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whether it's the youth or children, whatever it may be, serve the Lord with all your heart. Give it to him. Place it into his hands. And watch how God will bless it. Notice here, those of us who put Christ first, his kingdom first, above all and before all. Not Christ down the list. Not Christ second or third or fourth. Behind your work, behind your family, behind your household, behind your needs, behind your finances. No, friend. Christ first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you, Jesus said. Notice those who place Christ at the helm and Christ afore them will find that as it says here that their works are in the hand of God. Oh, there's no greater place for you to put your labor than into the hand of God. There's no greater place to put your children than into the hand of God. There's no greater place to put your financial needs than in the hand of God. There's no greater place to put all you do than into the hand of God. Notice, no man knoweth either love or hated by all that is before them. Now notice this. All things all things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrificeth and to him that sacrificeth not. As is the good, so is the sinner, and he that sweareth as he that feareth an oath. There is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event under all. Notice this. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart. While they live, and after that they go to the dead. Verse 2 and verse 3 tells us, there is one event. Notice that. There's one event to the righteous and to the wicked. In other words, there's one event to each and every one of us that will come to each and every one of us. In verse 3, there is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all. Hear this word for one event in both verses. It gives the idea of an unforeseen meeting. I want you to get that. An unforeseen meeting. M-E-E-T-I-N-G. A meeting. An unforeseen meeting. Solomon is now adding and weighing up in the balances. That which mankind strives for. And he says, listen, you can do all those things. 
And you can shake your fist at heaven. And you can spit with thy mouth against God. And say all manner of things. Or you can claim him and serve him. But whatever way it happens. There's one event and it's an evil event. Will happen to 100 out of every 100 in this place tonight. It's great to see in so cold a weather. Roads are very icy. So many filling this car park tonight. And it's good to see the hunger that's in the hearts of people to want to sit in their cars, to come out and to serve the Lord here on a platform, but also to see you here risking, as it were, yourselves on the roads. But nevertheless, no matter where you're from, whatever side of the town that you live in, I can tell you one thing. There's one event on the wall. There's one event under the sun that's on the earth. And it's an evil event that says this. And that one event is an unforeseen meeting. That's what it means. Let me read it like that. Verse 2. All things come alike to all. Notice that's 100 out of every 100. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked. There is an unforeseen meeting to the righteous. And there is an unforeseen meeting to the wicked. There's an unforeseen meeting to the righteous. And an unforeseen meeting to the wicked. Verse 3. There is an evil among all things that are done under the sun. That there is one event unto all. There's an unforeseen meeting unto each and every one of us. What is that meeting? What is this one event unto all? Friend, it's our demise. And it's our death through Christ Harry. One hundred of us. Out of one hundred of us. Should Christ tarry. We will go into the sod. And we will have an unforeseen meeting. Meaning this. Meaning this. That you and I know not. The day when God may say. Like he said to that man. In Luke's gospel. Thy fool. This night thy soul will be required of thee. He did not know there was an unforeseen meeting. That man didn't realize it. That night was a night for the one event. That night was the night for an unforeseen meeting that he would meet up with death itself, be ushered out into eternity. Friend, I have had many experiences as a pastor. Many experiences. There was some years ago, there was a, a man, a young man, he was 48 years of age. And it was cold, and it was a cold night like this, but the snow was on the ground. And I just got into bed. And the phone rang, and I realized it was this man's father on the phone, distraught. I threw on my clothes and got into the car and drove out. And it was a difficult drive when we got there. And when I got there, 
This young man who had just went and had a bath at home and was sitting beside a fire with his arm resting on his chair like this with his chin in his hand like that died in that shape just died there and then in that shape at 48 years of age it was an unforeseen meeting it was an unforeseen meeting his father had said to him well we look at the fire and he would have flew after the fire he lived with his father and his and his father went to him and called him. His name was Andrew. He says, Andrew, will we put coal in the fire or we let it go out for the night? And Andrew's sitting with his eyes open watching the television. His hair still damp from his bath was sitting dead. And I went over and we got him on the floor, but he was gone. There was an unforeseen meeting with Andrew that night. I can tell you of a young man, 33 years of age, went to his workplace. He put on his boots to go to work that morning. By just after 9 o'clock in the morning, he had an accident at work. And he died. Someone else took his boots off him that night. He had an unforeseen meeting with this one event that will come to each and every one of us. Oh, friend, I can remember going to the Marie Curie over in East Belfast. And remember sitting talking to an older man, a saved man. And his worry wasn't about having the unforeseen meeting. He knew he was going to pass out into eternity. And these are the words that he said to me and a colleague who went with me. He says, oh, pastor, he says, if I had just a little longer to serve him better. I would give him all my heart. Please pray. That he would extend my days. That I may give him my all. He died. Shortly after it. You see the man was saved. And for many years. He blagged his way in the service of Christ. He talked a good talk. Pulled the wool over the pastor's eyes. Not me, another pastor. He had the walk and he had the talk and he looked the part. But friend, Christ knew the heart. And the heart is deceitful. Above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I the Lord search the heart he says. And I try the reins. And this man knew. 
He was going to be launched out into eternity, begging and pleading that God would give him more years or days to serve him with all of his heart. Oh, friend, what a way to go into eternity. I'll tell you how I want to go. When I was in my sin, I wanted to go when I was in a party. I thought I was the big lad, and when I was living it up, sure, what a way to go. Happy in my drinking drugs, friend, and I would have went to hell. I'll tell you what way I want to go. And thank God for his grace he didn't take me there and then. I want to go serving him. I want to go loving him. I want to go in communion and fellowship with him. I want to go and I want to see his face. Friend, how would you fare in this one event? In this unforeseen meeting. You know in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says. And as it is appointed unto man once to die. But after this. The judgment. But after this. The judgment. Oh we preach so much to the unconverted. They might be saved by the grace of God. Accepting. The work of Christ on the cross. And will continue to do so. But I feel in the closing years. The closing of the age. That we're in at this time. And I believe that with all my heart. I believe we need to be preaching to the church. We need to be preaching to the Christian. The man and the woman who are blagging their way. Fooling their minister or their pastor. Or even themselves. But they'll never fool God. And everything will be weighed in the balances. In the hand of God are the righteous. And their ways and their works. And some be tried in the fire. They'll find that their works are as wood and hay and stubble. Oh may God find each and every one of us. That when our works are tried by fire, that we would be as gold, as silver, and as precious stones. Friend, there is one event. Notice verse 3. There is one event unto all. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil. Oh, today... It's find yourself not only on social media and on television or wherever else. Find yourself. Find out who you are. Love yourself and love yourself first and follow your heart. Friend, I'm going to tell you, and some might not like me saying this, but this is the truth. That's a lie from the devil. We are not to love ourselves first. The first and great commandment is, I shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. 
Oh, friend, if you can love God with all of that, if you can give him your all tonight, if you can serve him with a full and a true heart, and in failure you bring your failures and repentance to him, here's what we find, friend, when we love him, we find confidence in Christ enables us to stand before God and before men. Oh, they say, follow your heart. Don't follow your heart, friend. Because as I quoted earlier on, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Notice this, the heart is full of evil. That's what it says. You know what that tells me? From Adam's fall, bringing death in the garden, we have the total depravity of our human nature. There's nothing in you that wanted Christ. There's nothing in me that ever wanted him. But his gracious Holy Spirit came and spoke into death and brought death unto life. And there we find our ability to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And so, friend, I will round this thought up tonight with this. It says, the hearts of men are full of evil and madness is in their heart. I find that strange. The word, English word madness, is sung nine times in Scripture. Nine times. Five of them are written in the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon keeps seeing it. Seems to be an argument for how we should live. But sure, we're only enjoying ourselves. Nothing wrong with enjoying ourselves. I like to enjoy myself. But sure, we're only doing this and we're only doing that and we're only trying this once and we're only doing what's natural. Friend, our nature is depraved. And everything in your flesh and my flesh and these men here, their flesh, everything in our flesh speaks of nothing but death. This flesh is dying. But Christ has come and given me life. The flesh will war or lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And note here, the hearts are full of evil. Madness are in the heart. Strange because the Hebrew uh, word for this is a holith. Holith. And it actually is spelt in our English H-O-W-L-E-A-T-H, I think it is. It actually gives the idea of being full of folly. And it's spelled H-O-W-L. We think of someone who's mad as howling to the moon. Our hearts are howling to the moon. And we, to be left alone, are in our sin. Notice, For to him that is joined to all living, 
there is hope. I want to read that again. For him that is joined to a living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Think about that. A living dog is better than a dead lion. You know, some people, they feel that even who are caught in addiction, I've talked to many because I understand them. I remember many a Sunday morning after two or three days on drinking drugs, walking along, and it was a sunny morning. And I remember I sat down on a wall, and there was an old dog one day lying at the corner of the street. And the depression from the addiction, it was just overwhelming me, overcoming me. And I remember looking at the dog and talking to this old dog. And I looked at him, and these words I said, you're a lucky dog, because you're not me. And through the years of talking to people with the same sort of addiction, they understood exactly where I was at that time and what I meant. You're a lucky dog, because you're not me. I went on to say, you don't have to find your next fix and you don't have to worry about where your next drug's coming from and you don't have to worry about this. You just lie in the sun. And this is the truth. And a family I knew who were Christians drove past me in the car and I said, I wish I was like them. But I'll never be. For I cannot be. Little did I know Christ would get the hold of me. Little did I know that I would hear of the unsearchable riches of Christ. Little did I know that I would hear of the cross work of Christ and the blood of Christ, the finished work of Christ. Little did I know that God had me marked from eternity and He knew me and He loved me and He called me His own. My heart was mad. My heart was evil. My heart was wicked. My heart was depraved. But Christ, in his glorious, victorious work on the cross, when he cried, it is finished. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. When he said it was finished, he had paid my debt. And there, one day, I heard of the Christ who died for me. And the deadness of my spirit, the depravity of my being and my heart, he called me from darkness unto light, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of of his dear son. And friend, he's still in the saving business tonight. There's an evil coming. There's one event, an unforeseen meeting, that I will surely and certainly be in, whether it be this night 
or another. But this I know, friend. When I close my eyes, in death should he tarry. That because of Christ, because of his precious blood, and because he's paid my debt, I know I might close my eyes in death, but I shall awaken in his likeness, and I shall be in his glory and in his eternity appointed into the kingdom of God. And many of you will too. I'm not arrogant about it. I'm just believing what the Bible says of it. Maybe you're feeling like a that dog lying in the street. I can tell you a living dog is better than a dead lion. For once you're dead, you're dead and you're gone and there's no second chance. Launched out into eternity without God, without Christ and without hope in this world. But if you have Christ and he's your saviour, this night, friend, you can be assured of a place in heaven and in his glory to rule and to reign with him. The believer is ready. Verse 5, the living know that they shall die. Notice, but the dead know not anything. I know that speaks of a literal living and a literal dead. But there's a dead in spirit who don't realize anything. Ah, what is this gospel? Ah, who is this Jesus? Ah, don't talk to me about that stuff. They know nothing but the living. We know there's an unforeseen meeting. And we know there's one event on the wall. But we know who our Savior is. And we know we shall be with him because we trust in him and all he has done. Friend, can I ask you tonight, are you saved are you saved? Are you saved? I can tell you there was a young woman in here. Carl's service night. Him with her, her children in the car. I didn't know where she was parked, but came up to me in tears at the end in the car. Didn't even want to get out of the car. Pray with me now. Pray with me now. I've wandered away from God. And you were saying, are you saved? Are you saved? And my child in the back said, yes, yes. And I couldn't say it. Prayed with her just at the end here. And she left. Not even getting out of the car. Pray now. There is an urgency. And all that God would give us an urgency. An urgency to get right with him. May God bless each and every one of you tonight. May God bless his word to our hearts. And I'm going to stand again like I did two weeks ago, just down the end here. And if you not see it, please come. 
Away from God, you need someone to pray with you. Come and see us. 